Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. John chapter 2. And we're going to go down to verse 3. If I read through verse 1 and 2, we'll just end up preaching on those and that'll be no good. (laughs) I kind of apologize. I can't help it. You know, roosters do what in the morning? Yeah, preachers preach. That's what they do. I wish I could. It would be great if sometimes I would love to do this. This is just my own head, okay? But I would love to trade positions with people and let them feel what I feel or experience it. It is a unique thing. I remember the first time I was asked to preach. Oh, I'm going to tell a story. See, it just happens. It's like instantaneous, you know? Um, But I remember the first time that I was asked to preach in Round Mountain, Nevada. How many have been to Round Mountain, Nevada? Yeah, because nobody lives there. And the only reason you'd go there is if you had family there. And uh, and I actually didn't have family there, but uh, Susan's brother lived there, and of course Heidi's cousins. So uh, the preacher out there who is now, what's he doing? Bethel. Yeah, he's a pastor at Bethel now. But anyway, he asked me to speak or somehow, somehow I got in there. And uh, anyway, so I went to preach there and the Lord was very gracious to me. He didn't give me any messages. I got them literally like, in, like 15, like a song and a half. So like 10 minutes before I had to get up to speak, the Lord gave me what to preach on, which was interesting. But then uh, there was another time where I went home. Oh, between my first and second year at, at Bible college, uh, at Rama, I came home and Dwight Kilborn was my youth pastor and he was a Rama grad. Uh, he's a missionary now in Taiwan. Is that where it is? Anywhere. So, anyway, somewhere like that. Do you know Jody? I think it's Taiwan, yeah. So anyway, uh, I remember the first time I got up to preach and I thought, what is this? This can't be, you know, it's almost, if, unless you've experienced it, it's almost like, how is this possible? You know, because I felt this just rush of anointing come over me, and I thought, and I didn't run out of words. And I didn't, yeah, imagine that. And I didn't, and I didn't know, says the person. <laughs> but as far as preaching, it would be one thing if you just got up here and talked about yourself. But like to be able to preach, and, speak, and I had, you know, I had one year of Bible college under my belt, and uh, but prior to that, it's not like I memorized a lot of scripture, you know what I mean? So it was a unique thing, and so I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's definitely a gift. There's one thing with just sharing, but then there are, there are people that just have an anointing to do it and a gifting to do it, and I'm telling you what, it's when you're in what you're supposed to be in, there's nothing like it. It's awesome, so... All right, let's go. First John chapter 2, verse number 3 says this, Now by this we know that we know him. Now again, i got to reiterate here, this is not talking to unbelievers, this is talking to believers. And it says this, if we keep his commandments. Now, the Amplified says it this way, And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him. I like that word, coming to know him. To perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with him. Uh, 
If we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice his teachings, his precepts, and his, his commandments. The NIV says it this way, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. You know, people will, uh, are quick in our culture and society today to say that they're saved. But you know that doesn't know, mean they know him. And that's what this is referring to. Remember, we're talking about um, kind of the test of knowing Jesus or whether you're saved or not. Um, Christians are at all varying levels of development. Um, just because you've sat in church for 40 years doesn't mean you know him. Now, you may have information about him. But I can give you information about a lot of people and you'd think you knew them, but you never met them. You know, when I was in high school, Michael Jordan was the basketball player you wanted to be. That's the guy you wanted to And now it's like Steph Curry and, you know, some of them I'm like, why would you want to be like some of them? But anyway, um, it's different ones now in sports. But when I was in high school and in junior high and that age group, Michael Jordan was the man. He was the goat, okay? Uh, that's a common phrase now. And I could tell you a lot of things about him, but I don't know him. I don't know him. And there's a lot of Christians that are born again. They're on their way to heaven, but they don't actually know the Lord. And you say, how do you know? Because they don't keep his commandments. They actually are saved, and Ephesians talks about this. They're actually asleep among the dead. Now, if you read that, I think it's in Ephesians 4. I can't remember exactly where it is. But if you read that, a lot of times when people read over that, they think, yeah, those people need to get born again. No, the asleep people are born again. They're just asleep among the dead. Have you ever seen somebody really asleep? Have you ever seen a dead person? You know, if you were just kind of casually looking at one next to another, if they were side by side, you probably wouldn't be able to tell which one was which especially if they were in a deep sleep. And Christians can actually be asleep among the dead. And what that means is, is they're not practicing what they hear. Do you know, do you know uh, evangelism is easy? Do you know discipleship is hard? Now, people don't like to hear that because they want to hear, oh, no, grace did it all. Well, grace did it all. But you know how many people are held back from developing spiritually because it actually requires something of you? That's why Wednesday nights, are um, um, their popularity level goes up and down. Depending on the subject and the season. Like I can, I, I've been, we've been doing this now for eight years. And then prior to that, I did it for six years as a youth pastor. And I watch how people do church. I watch it. I can mark it. I, I don't even need, I don't even need attendance numbers. I know when people are going to be here and when they're not. I know when our peak numbers will be. And it has to do with worldly systems. Do you know why? Most Christians are totally led by them. They're totally led by everything going on around them. Why? They don't know their Lord. They don't know him like they should. Because when you know the Lord, you actually, you know, Jesus interrupted and, uh, and, uh, disrupted and, and fulfilled God's things right around world systems. He didn't even care about the world systems. 
He just did what the Lord told him to do. And disciples are that way. Discipleship is that way. When you're mature, when you're strong, you keep the Lord's commandments. Now, we're going to get into here what that means. And we're not talking about here, we're not talking about earning relationship. We have relationship. But I am talking about fellowship. So here's the thing. If you, you and I have to decide certain things within ourselves, right? And uh, sometimes uh, as Christians, you know, uh, and even in religious circles, we can feel like we're doing a lot of things. Sometimes it's just spinning wheels, you know. It's just kind of activities, religious activities. And we're not really actually fellowshipping with the Lord. Like your devotions can totally turn into uh, a religious thing, your devotional time. You cannot hear from God. I purpose to hear from God every single day. Like when I go to the word, I don't just go, ah, uh, read through the scripture, read through the scripture, read through the scripture, read through the scripture, you know, and try to get, oh, I got it done. Okay, pray my 30 minutes, you know, Lord, uh, bless Aunt Mildred and, and Uncle Fred and, you know, just, no, no, no. I want to hear from God. I need faith for that day. I'm in a battle. And it's a real one, not a fake one. I'm not living, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not in world systems trying to operate in world systems for the purpose of worldly things. I'm after something that is at high level of value, which is wisdom and understanding. It's intimacy with God. And there are so many things as believers, and especially American Christianity, like I will sh I'll share this with you. There are people... And I think there is some wisdom here, but there are whole church systems built around people's schedules. Let me ask you something. Do you think Jesus did, did that? Did Jesus go to people and go, um, when you're done fishing for the day, come and follow me. Or whenever, whatever works for you, whatever it's okay what did jesus do and this is exactly what jesus is like he will walk right up into the middle of your busy schedule and go let's go and people go oh no he would never do that oh yes he will actually it's quoted in scripture concerning the the israelites when they were in the desert do you know why they were in the desert to see if they would love god above everything else, that's it. That was the reason. Their hearts were tested. And people say, oh, God doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, I, some people's idea of Christianity is really interesting. Or who God is. He absolutely will say, give that to me. I want this. And he'll put his finger on an Isaac. And a disciple or a mature believer will go, here you go, Lord. In other words, he'll what? He'll, he or she will keep his commandments. Right? A, a, a mature believer, a parent, a true uh, parent or disciple in the Lord, somebody who's strong... They understand that they're laying up for the kids. The kids are not laying up for them. 
And that's what the Lord is looking for. And that's what we get into in these things. So let's look at some of this. So we know that a believer really knows the Lord by how they keep his commandments. You may be born again, but that does not mean you know him. Knowing the word of God is not the same as doing or keeping the word of God. Doing or keeping. And sometimes when people hear, oh, I got to do these things, and they think, of, they think of like this laborious thing. And that's because you're actually not, when you're, when you're in close fellowship with the Lord, doing doesn't feel like earning. So when you, you think, uh, we, we sometimes will think this way. We'll think, well, if the person doesn't do it, then God's going to be in a bad mood. No, God is laying up for the children. God is what? He's the mature one. He's the mature one. And when you're, when he, because he's the mature one, uh, I, I think Mark Hankins said it this way. He said, there are some places you will go as a believer because you trust God. And then there are some places you will go as a believer because God trusts you. See, we don't, we don't, it's, 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 it's heavy when you hear that, right? Because it's like, well, that means that I could possibly miss something. Exactly. You could. You could miss something. Brother Hagin actually said it this way, just to cheer you up even more. Um, he actually said it this way. He said that most ministers and most believers don't get out of the first phase of their relationship with the Lord. They live their entire lives at a place of relative intimacy with him, and then they go on to be with the Lord. It's not that they don't make heaven. It's just that the level of intimacy was already set that's available for us. And can I ask you what that is? If you know the Lord, your walk is who walked? Jesus. So that means the level of intimacy or maturity or availability of relationship with God by standard is who? It's not Smith Wigglesworth. It's not pick whatever person you admire. It's Jesus Christ. Now that's a challenge. Now with a challenge, what comes? An opportunity to make a decision. How close am I going to walk to the Lord? Am I going to pursue him with everything? Because we, you know, uh, we like to think sometimes in, I, I know I have in, 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 past years and and some of the things that the lord's corrected me in and continues to correct me in we like to think in terms that somehow spirituality is this mystical thing that is not measurable which is not true spirituality is completely measurable christ is the measure in other words if i believe god and walk with god at a at a in a in a certain way my life will actually look like jesus now do i become jesus no Am I required to do what Jesus did for me? No. But I, there is a level of what? There's a level set on what spirituality looks like. And we're going to get into it. I mean, it's in the next few verses. But what it looks like. And that level is set. It will never change. So Paul made statements like this. I forget the things that are. And I press toward the mark of the what? high calling of God, so it's a calling of God for every believer, which is who? Christ Jesus. So he's the standard. So next time you're feeling really spiritual, and you're like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm better than them. Just remember Jesus. And you'll go, I got a ways to go. Maybe I should focus. 
Does that make sense? So, um, uh, some of the statements here that I have written. We do not gain relationship with God through keeping his commandments. Listen to this. We keep his commandments because we have relationship with God. Remember, we were saved or brought into relationship with God through, uh, through grace by faith. Through Jesus' actions and our response of faith to those actions. Obedience is a byproduct of relationship. Listen to this. Relationship is not a byproduct of obedience. You see that? Now I'm going to say this. Fellowship is a byproduct of obedience. But relationship is not. If, if, if relationship was a byproduct of obedience, you'd be under the law. But you're not. You're under Grace. So you have access to the throne as a believer consistently. But that doesn't mean you're taking full advantage of fellowship in open relationship. Because there's absolutely nothing in regards to sin that is keeping you out of the throne room. Except for in your own head. Or what you open up in this life or in this realm of the enemy in getting into your life. But your relationship with God, Jesus said it. He said, come, it's written in uh, Hebrews, come boldly to the throne of grace, right? So even if in your worst mistake, Jesus is saying what? The door's still open. Now your mind, your emotion, and, your, and religious demonic thinking will say, uh-uh, you can't go back now. You messed up too many times. And that would mean, that would imply then that Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. You like the way we just get to those endings and it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But when you're in the, have you ever noticed in life, you just don't automatically, your mind doesn't automatically go that direction? You have to fight for that knowledge. So why is information or knowledge so important of the word of God? I mean, you may be sitting here and be completely bored by the fact that it's a verse by verse study, but I'm telling you, I'm laying a weapon that is sharp within your uh, grasp. And if you'll take it by the spirit of God, you'll have victory in your life. And listen to me very carefully. You won't need a rally or a special speaker to get you over. Because you'll know how to get to God for yourself. You lay up weapons daily. You know, have you ever seen those cool videos where some guy goes, come check this out. And then you go in this room and there's guns everywhere. Those are cool videos. I don't even like hunting that much. Okay. But when they have all those guns, I'm like, that's cool. That's pretty cool. And there's weapons. Have you ever seen those? Or like they have... Uh, they ha they'll have like a fireplace mantle and you can touch the bottom of it and the shotgun drops out. That's what you need in your life with the devil. Now, I'm not talking about a physical shotgun. I'm saying you need to understand this, these weapons. And then no circumstances will dictate what you do. You'll obey the commandment whether it's all good in your life or all bad. It won't matter. People will go, that person's crazy. They laugh when it's bad and then they laugh when it's good. No, you're crazy. I'm in the spirit. Even the church will call you crazy for believing the Bible. I watch it happen so many times. I did it, so I understand it. When you're young 
and, and, uh, or, or things are going good in your life and people tend to, sl- to lay back on, uh, get on, on their fellowship with the Lord. Not their, obviously their relationship is set through Christ, but their fellowship with the Lord. But then what happens when something hits? Oh, get in the prayer closet. Oh, I got to go on a fast. People lose 40 pounds in a month. <laughs> Everything fell apart. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then they get the victory and what do they do? Oh, when if you would have just jogged every day, the marathon wouldn't have seemed like a marathon. That's what discipleship does. Discipleship empowers you to walk through persecution consistently for years, finish and get through all the attacks of the enemy, finish your full race at the end of your life and go, it's time for me to leave, but I got a crown laid up for me. I've run my race. I've finished my course. Paul made that statement and people go, well, yeah, that was the apostle Paul. No, everybody here should be able to say that when you die. Or I should say, before you depart. Because Paul didn't even say, I'm about to die. He said, I'm departing. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. We should study that sometime. I like that stuff. This all sounds very familiar with chapter 1. Those who know God walk in the light. We know him, says, is, is this, the statement, we know him in verse 3 here, is perfect tense, which John often used to describe the believer who has come to know God and still retains a personal fellowship with God because of the initial encounter with him at salvation. Such, such a fellowship can be tested by looking for consistent obedience to God's command. All right, let's look at verse 4 and 5. He who says, I know him and does not keep, and that word keep, we'll look at a greater definition, but think of guard. His commandments is a what? Is a liar. Now, who is this written to? To believers. (laughs) So John's really nice. He's saying, stop lying, you little (laughs) ding-dings. And the truth is not in him. What does that mean? That doesn't mean he's not born again. That means the truth is not being retained in his thinking. It's not being, it's not being acted upon. This is not a part of their daily life, right? So he goes on to say in verse 5, but whoever keeps or guards his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, by this we know that we are in him. So the word keep means to hold fast, And it means keeping your eye upon. So when you think about that, he he says here, he says, he who says, I know him, what what do they do? They They would hold fast to his commandments. So if somebody says, well, I know the Lord. Well, that could mean different levels of something. But how could you measure whether they were mature or not? They would be consistent. They wouldn't look like the world. They would be responding the way Jesus responded in his earthly ministry to situations. Do you see that? So he, it keep means to hold fast. It means keeping your eye upon. And then there's another word in here, and I love it. It's a word we all love. It's, it's this word. In verse 5, he says, but whoever keeps or holds fast his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. 
perfected. Now that word perfected simply means this. It means to finish, to complete, to bring to an end. Walking in love in all areas of our life is the mark of a full, of, is the mark of full spiritual development. Walking in love in every area of our lives is the mark of full spiritual development. So let's go back to verse 4. In verse 4, here again, we see the importance of spiritual maturity. We know from verse 1 of 1 John 2 that, uh, John is, er, yeah, that John is writing to Christians because he calls them children. We talked about that, uh, I think, last week, about the technon, the Greek word children. Here we see that a person who says they know Jesus but doesn't obey his commandments is a liar. Again, being born again does not mean that you know Jesus or his commandments. Salvation comes into a person's life through hearing of Jesus' love and forgiveness or grace and then receiving that by faith. On the other hand, obedience to the commandments is a byproduct of maturity through fellowship. I need to say this. Obedience to the commandments is a byproduct of, mature, of maturity through fellowship. A person could very easily live in lies and still be born again. I did it. Now, I know some of you are like Heidi, and you've been sanctified since birth. I get it. I, I get that you've been in the church a long time, and, and you know this, that, and the other thing, but are you doing it? And maybe the hang-ups or maybe the things that operate, have operated as lies in your life as a believer aren't the same lies that I operated in, but you still have to grow up just the same. Let me ask you which is worse. And I, and I hit this because uh, the Lord really has had it on my heart and I've been praying about it as far as the church and just in general. But what is worse is, is uh, getting drunk worse or gossiping worse? Which? <laughs> there, are, there are actually some levels in the Old Testament. But, but, okay, which is worse? Which is worse, all right? Smoking marijuana, okay, now it's legal, so people think it's medical. And I, there's a whole realm of thought here that I'm not going to go into, but I'm just going to use it for example purposes. Is that worse or unforgiveness? It is all flesh. It all has a nature and spawn of the enemy, okay? So, well, yes and no. But I will say this. Sin is sin, right? So, is it a, is it, is it a lie for me to believe that I need an ulterior substance to make it through my day? But could I be a, still be a Christian? Absolutely. Is it a lie for me to believe that I can't forgive somebody because they hurt me so bad? But I could still be a Christian. So how do I know that I've matured? Those things are not operating in me. I'm now obeying the commandment. If I sit and believe... Okay, say God has, which in my case he has, but he told me, I've called you to minister. What if I let all the people that didn't believe in me and their words, and there's been a lot of them, and their words stop me from obeying God? Is God going to excuse that when I get to heaven? 
No. The answer is no. So why would he excuse it concerning you? It's not just because I'm a preacher. It's because he has a certain standard. Now, would I get into heaven? Yes. But it still doesn't change that there was a commandment that was given to me, a mandate, and I know what it was. I still have to do it. What if everybody left the church over the next few months? We don't like this thought. You know, people are like, I what do you mean? <laughs> what if everybody did? Does it change the mandate on my life? Let me ask you a question. What if everybody got offended in this church and left? Well, I'm sitting here because I have to be here, but I ain't going to invite anybody. You're already offended. You're offended. And guess what's not going to work for you? The word. You just be here and be bitter. And we'll all be smiling while you're drinking bitter coffee and you could have some creamer. I mean, we have it. <laughs> you could be sweet and enjoying your life, but instead, I'm just going to be mad because they, they didn't let me do this or they didn't let me do, you know what I mean? What if everybody just decided, I've watched bitterness tear up churches. I've watched it happen. I've watched offenses literally stop moves of God. Now, what I mean by that is they didn't overpower it. It's just God went, oh, no open vessels. I guess I'll move on. But does it, so does it change if, if everybody got bitter and everybody left, does it change what I have to do? Does it change the, the region of my call, the mandate of my call? Does it change yours? You know, people say, well, I'm not called. You know, I, I don't know that I'm called to this, that, or the other. As a believer, now I'm talking about believers that have been saved a while, okay? And you know better. You know what church you're called to. So let me ask you, is God going to be, you know, people, people love to quote this verse, and it is a verse in James. Not everybody should want to be teachers because we, we receive a stricter judgment. And there's a reason why, because teachers have influence over more people, right? Than maybe somebody who doesn't have that platform. But it does not, it does not erase the call to the helps ministry. And people think, well, you're going to be judged, preacher. You better be careful. Well, let me help you with something, congregant. So are you. You will be held accountable for what you know to do that you're not doing. Why? Because you know the commandment. Oh, let's look at some verses. Wee! Woohoo! Glory! I'm going to sleep good tonight. I'm just preempting the devil because he always tries and comes and talks afterwards. But I've got weapons and I pull them out, I don't just leave them in the hidden spots. I show the enemy. See, I know how to load it. And I know how to use it. And I use it. And I plead the blood. And I exercise authority. Why? Well, I don't like getting beat up. It's not my favorite. <laughs> In regards to dealing with the Gnostics of that day, verse 4 here, John could have been warning the church against following teachers who did not show the fruit of spiritual maturity in their lives. We're going to get into this. 
So like, any, so like any truth found in the word of God, there could be some dual application here. Verse five says this, then declares to us how spiritual maturity is measurable and gives others around us the, uh, us the reassurance that Christ is in us. So when you're, when you're looking around you and you're, you're seeing people, don't follow people that are charismatic. Follow people that are character. Don't follow people that are charismatic. Follow people that are character. How do they operate in their lives? When you've gotten close to people, what was it like? What was it like? You need to follow character, right? You need to follow those, I mean, true biblical Jesus character. Is that, would Jesus do that? And then you look to have fellowship in those places. Sometimes, and we're going to get into this, people don't realize, they don't think about these things the way they should, especially Christians. And even in my own life, the Lord's been dealing with me about these things. But the truth of the matter is there are a whole lot of Christians that just cannot, you just cannot follow because they are saved, but they are not following Christ like they should. In other words, their salt and light level are low. They're more interested. Now, I'm not saying they're living in sin, they could be just putting priority on things they shouldn't. You know that happens all the time? There's a lot of good, clean, living Christians that do little to nothing for the Lord in service to him and to his people. The strong in the Lord serve. Actually, in Romans 16, you should read through it. It's the hall of fame of faith for the ministry of helps. It's Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I think it's through 16 or something like that. We're not going to go read it now. But read through it and then look what Paul uh, honors as Christians by the Holy Spirit. One of the statements in there, he talks about this, these particular people that helped him. And he made this statement. He said, they risked their necks for us. Do you realize what that means? They could have been beheaded. And a lot of Christians are inconvenienced by, they won't risk their TV show. Just the truth. The scriptures warn us about who we should esteem as examples in our lives, as believers. Here are a few scriptures that complement verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 says, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who what among you? Labor among you. We, we urge you, brethren, to, to recognize who? Those who, well, no, I'm under grace. I don't labor. Jesus paid it all. Now, we know he did. This isn't about earning salvation, but what people have turned the grace message into is what? I'll do whatever I want, and Jesus is my homeboy, and I'll get into heaven. And that's exactly how they treat him, with immense disrespect. And they treat his children with immense disrespect as well. Are we having fun yet or what? Should I back out and go a different direction? I can always go to Psalms 23 and have you rah-rah before we get out of here. The only problem is I'll have to have you rah-rah next week too. <laughs> Come on, you see what I'm saying here? I, I know this is not just the easiest stuff. It'll get better as we go or not. We'll just see what happens. But I know this. I know the Lord is this way. It's not that he's looking to, to have people fail. 
He's looking for those who won't abandon him in the middle of the test. Do you know what happened to Paul with John Mark? When it got hot and heavy, John Mark went, I'm going home to mama. That's exactly what happened. And I know people preach and blame Paul for certain things, and maybe he didn't handle everything just right. But the reality is, is John Mark was not ready for what God wanted to do. And many times believers are absolutely not ready for what God wants to do. Because it costs. There is a fight to faith. And if there, you know, sometimes people, you know, the enemy will try, I should say it this way. The enemy will flood Christians with the thought of, well, that guy's just called to something more. Or, you know, God calls certain people, but not everybody's required to live at that level of, of, of energy. <laughs> you know, we use so many weird words. Really, it's the level of commitment to the Lord that others are. That's not true. Discipleship, the mandate is that we all take up our cross and follow him. Listen to me. You're not taking up Jesus' cross. You're taking up your own. It doesn't say take up Jesus' cross. It says take up your, my cross and follow him. Do you know why you're not taking up Jesus' cross? You, can't, you could never handle it. That was his cross. I have a cross to bear. So what is Paul magnifying by the Holy Spirit here? What is he saying? He's saying, look, if you guys want to see somebody that you're to honor, to follow, to look at, to emulate, to look up to, find out those who what? Labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Oh no, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want any admonishing. I just want you to pray for me when I'm in trouble and get me out of my problems, get me out of my situations because, you know, you're the preacher, you're paid to do it. You know, Dale's a board member. Take all your prayer requests and give them to him and his job is to go intercede on your behalf 24 hours a day and you just go live however you want to and God will be okay with that because he understands. Are we recording this? Maybe we should cut the live stream. <laughs> no. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not shying away from this. The Lord is dealing with me about this in my own life. Who can I be close to as friends? Because if I'm really going to be after what he wants, i got to find people that are after what he wants. I can't just hang with anybody. If I'm going to step into the full orb of what I'm called to do, I can't just hang out with anybody. Well, you're a pastor. You're, you're to shepherd the sheep. Well, yeah, of course, we're going to always be with the people loving the people. Always going to be. The, the parents are called to lay up for the children, right? It's always that way. But if we're going to go, if you're going to go to a level where you're walking with the Lord in intimacy. I, I know Brother Hagin shared this, I don't know how many times. But there was a particular couple in ministry that they really liked. And while he was traveling, sometimes they would travel 100 miles out of the way to go to be with that family. That couple, just to fellowship with them for a day or a few hours before they went on to their next thing. 
before they went on to their next ministry. And people say, well, I'm not called to do what Brother Hagin's to do. No, you're right. You're maybe not supposed to call, to, or you're, you're man, the mantle or the, or the call or the anointing on your life is not like that. But you have generations of people around you that you're called to influence. You're not living on a piece of dirt because it was random, and your parents are like, oops, we had another kid. Well, I guess we're in Billings, so this is where they end up. God knew where you would be. He knew who your friends were. He knew who your kids would be. He knew who your in-laws and outlaws would be. He knew everything about you and me. And he placed within you a mandate that has been set before the foundation of the world. And if you don't engage it, yes, you'll make heaven. Thank God it's by the grace of God. But you still will suffer loss on the other side of not fulfilling what you were called to fulfill. And that is, whoa, I mean, like, I could have missed it if my parents and grandparents hadn't prayed for me. And people say, well, that's impossible. Exactly. For me and you by ourselves, but not with God. When you hear the call of God upon your life, it'll leave you over the aching void of nothingness with you having to believe him. If the plan that God has given you, you wrote up and you can figure out, you don't have it yet. God doesn't go, oh, what makes you comfortable? Let me do that for you. He doesn't, why, what, what glory would he get out of that? He goes, I know what you can't do, but I'm just looking for obedience, and I know what I can do. So let's go with my plan, and you just come over here and ride and exercise your faith on my grace, and then go do it. Live it. That's what he calls us to do. So in, in verse 13, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 13. And it says, and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Do we do that? Now, this is not me preaching so that you'll uh, appreciate pastors in the church. This is for everybody in the church. He didn't just say ministers. It's whoever is serving loving, giving of their time, their money, their energy that God has supplied to them to minister to who? The rest of the body of Christ. What are we supposed to do? Esteem them, complain about them because they didn't do it your way. Or they didn't do it the way the church does it down the road. Or that's not the way my dad did it and my dad was a my mom, she, if you ever want to make your wife mad, tell her how your mom used to make your food. <laughs> that only happened once. I know. And I still am missing fingers over it. I, <laughs> and people say, well, God is merciful. He's very merciful. But he still requires these things. Look at this, be at peace where? How's your peace level? How's your peace level? Where's it at? Now, specifically where? 
among yourselves. Now, I'm not talking about the world right now. I'm talking about in the church. How's your peace level? People say, well, we're happy. No, everybody puts on a happy face here. I'm talking about in real life when you're by yourself in your car driving down the road. How's your peace level? Because disciples obey commandments. When you're in close fellowship with the Lord, as soon as you allow something into your soul or your heart realm, and it's not of him, it isn't originated with him, all of a sudden there's this, oh, something's not right. I got to, what is going on inside of me? I don't like this. And it, have you ever been there where it just feels like everything's off? It's not that there's anything maybe major going on around you that's not right, but it's just like, why am I irritated by everything? <laughs> no peace. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. Well, that's kind of a bold statement. But then he goes on to say this in verse 18, for they refreshed my, therefore, the ministry of helps found Paul and three dudes that he named, or I don't know if these are, I, I'm assuming they're males, but you never know with Greek, these names in the, in the New Testament. <laughs> these three guys did what? They were a refreshing to the apostle. As a believer, as a disciple, are you a refreshing where you go? Are your friends that you hang out with, are they a refreshing? I'm talking about in the church. I'm not talking about outside. I'm not talking about the world. The world, I mean, why would you even expect the world to be able to do what only God can do through you? You don't even think about the world. I'm talking about in the church. What are you when you show up? Are you a refreshing to the body of Christ or are you an empty cup that needs to be filled always? And you've been saved for 30 years. Glory. Hey, hallelujah. And people say, oh, this is tough. Yeah, but there's answers here. There's answers. There's breakthrough. There's prosperity. There's blessing. There's favor here. Such favor when you can serve and not expect anything. Paul said it this way. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Whew. When you're to that place in faith, nothing can stop you. Now, the scenery may change around the call of God upon your life, and the people may change because people abandoned Paul. But you know what Paul did? Count it all joy. In prison, Paul wrote the most on joy. People were preaching in jealousy against Paul, other Christians, while he's in prison. Do you want to know why? Because jealous preachers existed then just like they do now. 
Am I refreshing when I go to places? Do I supply what's lacking? Do I bring some fire, some, some good uh, uh, burnable material to the fire that's already there? Or am I a holy ghost wet, no, I shouldn't even say that, an antichrist wet blanket? <laughs> what am I? Where's my level of involvement in the sense of where's my faith? How do I serve others? I'm talking about people that have been saved a while. I'm not talking about people that have been saved for a few months or a few years even. But you've been saved 25, 30 years. What do you bring? So if you want to pray this way, if you're that daring, (laughs) and ask the Lord to show you what you're like, what you're actually like. Now, people love this because, <laughs> especially in our camp, it's wonderful. People go, I prayed and the Lord showed me, <laughs> you know, all the, all, everything that I was in the spirit. So I'm not talking about the seed of Christ within you. I'm talking about what are people picking off the branch and taking into them. Because the Lord's mandate is what? That we would be a... Now, you think about these people. They're a refreshing. They're a supply. Am I a supply where I go? Or am I a drag? Am I a, am I a, a source where if you have a dead battery, you can hook me up to you and your battery's going to run again? What's the cure for, a, for a, a, a drained battery? You have to charge it, right? Then what do you have to do with it? You got to drive around, right? Because it recharges it, right? A lot of times believers just show up with a dead battery to church. They get charged and then they go and they just leave their lights on. <laughs> then they come back next week. Well, the preacher said I was supposed to be here on Wednesday. So I'm here. (laughs) See, you left your lights on all week again. (laughs) Prophesy joy. You know, we need to to edify the people. You know, play a fast song. (laughs) Now, you guys realize I'm I'm after some, I'm being tough. You realize that, right? People are like, yeah, I realize it. My toes are killing me. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not just trying to be unnecessarily tough. But think about this. Who makes it in the NFL? Have you ever seen a sideline in the NFL that's not functioning right? How many of you have watched football a time or two? How many have ever seen when, uh, how many tablets Tom Brady has broken? I mean, my tablet's still intact, so you're, you're doing all good today. In fact, the NFL started, they warned him, if you do it again, we're going to fine you. So he stopped. So his top motivation is his money. We already knew that. <laughs> and winning. He, I should say, I think his top motivation is beating everybody. That is his motivation. But 
Do you know how guys make it to that level? It is, you know, people think they're having a kumbaya in the locker room. Yeah, right. They are brutal with each other. Now, I'm not saying the church should be that. I'm just saying if, you're gonna, if, if we're going to be at a certain level, there's a certain standard, there are things required to get or to function within the level that's been provided by the grace of God. In order to do that, there has to be a release of other things. But what does our flesh hate? It hates fasting. It hates sex. You fast one day of no food, you know what your flesh will say? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's over. Just, just skip one meal. Some people will pray on a level they've never prayed before. All right. Philippians 2:29 and 30. We'll go through two more ver- or three more verses here. We'll be done. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. What kind of men, Paul? Because for the work of Christ he came close to what? He came close to missing his favorite TV show. He came close to missing his, what? You know, there's a minister years ago, do you remember there was an island that was hit by a tidal wave and it just wiped out a bunch of people? Years ago, there was a minister, and I can't remember where it was, but he was spending some time praying and they had made vacation plans to go to this island that got nailed by this. There was a, a shifting out in the ocean like an earthquake or a, something shifted and it caused a tidal wave. They didn't even know it was coming. Nobody knew it was coming. The island, people on the island didn't. And uh, he just, this pastor just kept getting this in prayer. Don't go on vacation. Don't go. Don't go on vacation. And he was like, Lord, we've planned this for how long? Everybody's excited. But he just kept getting this. Don't go. And so he brought his family together, and he told them, and his wife and his kids were upset with him. And, he, and, and finally, you know, they got it all set up. He said, look, we'll go another time, but just we can't go. It just I have it in my heart. We're not supposed to go. That was the week the tidal wave hit that island. But most people, as far as believers... They're not even open to the Lord touching their schedule. They're not. And it's dangerous. Because the enemy, I don't know if you've noticed, he's a headhunter. He's not just after to give you problems. He wants you dead. Because you're the one thing that the Lord has in your family or one of the main things in your family to give witness to him. What did this man do? Not for the sake of some crazy world record. Not for the sake of, of, of uh, accomplishing, you know, climbing the top of a mountain. Not for the sake of getting the, 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 his, the favorite vehicle he's always wanted or a certain salary that he wanted. But for the sake of the work of Christ, he came what? Close to death. Look at this. Not regarding his own life. To supply what was lacking in your service toward me. 
He so understood the importance of God, of God's call upon Paul's life, that he was willing to set everything else aside in order to accomplish what God called him to do. What is this? This is a person of faith. This is a person that has faith because you can't do it by what you see. Hebrews chapter 13 verse number 7 says this, Remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith, what? Follow considering the outcome of their conduct. When you're hanging out with somebody or, or you have friends or whatever th that is that's going on or when you're listening to a particular minister or ministries, do you ever consider the outcome of what they've done? Do you sit down and consider what is the outcome of these friends that I'm hanging out with? What is the outcome of the, the minister that I'm under? What, what happened? How did faith operate? Has my life in following the teaching of the word through a particular ministry, has it produced the word of God in my life? Or have you spun your wheels with it? Now, there's a lot of things to consider there. You could have heard the word and just not done it. How many know Jesus was a perfect preacher and a lot of people never got anything out of him? Right? He never did anything wrong. But there is also the other side of it to where you're looking and you're considering what's going on around you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17 says this, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. How many know parents have to give an account for their kids? Right? Okay. So kids, teenagers need to obey. Young people need to obey their parents, right? Let them do so, I love this, with and not with, for that would be unprofitable for who? Not for the parent, not for the leader, but for who? The person who's under. So sometimes people think, well, I'm doing what I was told. Yeah, but did, are we having to grieve through it? <laughs> or are we able to go, hey, glory to God with joy. Say, man, they did it. They got after it. They got it done. Because that's what makes it profitable to me if I do it with that attitude. That's how what? That's how the Lord's work gets done, right? Man. I love these verses. I don't know about you. But for me, and we'll stop there, lest we have people fall out under the power. <laughs> uh, let me, I just got to type this in here real quick. We actually got through three verses. Believe it or not. What's today's date? The 14th? Okay, we'll leave it there. So hear the heart of what God's saying. This is not a... Um, these type of verses in the scripture, and I could give you so many more. I mean, there are a lot of them. Why would John write what he wrote to different churches or Paul? Why would, he, 
Why would he, uh, he got so after the Corinthians at times that, and in fact, he made this statement in those same verses. He said, it seems like the more I love you, the less you love me. Isn't that a bold statement? You would, you, you would rarely hear that in a church today. Do you want to know why? I'm talking about from a minister, a true pastor, apostle, prophet, whatever it is, minister of God. Do you know why? Because if you say that, people will leave. That just tells me that we've raised weak Christians. That's what that tells me. If a minister or a man or a woman of God, you know, Peter made statements like this. Consider the prophets. Do you know the prophets were, as ministers, especially in the Old Testament, many times, they were not lauded and, and, and treated correctly. They, they tried to, they killed a lot of them. I don't think you should just go around trying to make people mad. But why would God write those things? Why would he place those things in the scripture? This is why. God doesn't correct us to make us feel bad. He corrects us because he knows if we don't, the enemy finds a way in. If all correction in our thinking, this is something I've really had to work on in my own mind and really have it transformed. If, if I always see correction as someone attacking me, I will never make adjustments. I will find excuses to ignore your words to me. And guess who continues to have an open door into my life? The enemy. But I'll keep fasting and praying. Oftentimes, and I've been praying this a lot for the church, our church. Lord, open our eyes. The Lord told me this years ago, I was going to leave the ministry, you know, because I was so smart. <laughs> I was just young, ignorant, didn't know, but I was in a learning process. I said, Lord, I'm a set. I saw things that were so wrong going on. How many have ever seen anything go wrong? And I said, Lord, I am mad. And I was mad. And I, we were at a the first house that we built, and I went down in the basement, and I told Heidi, I said, I'm going to go downstairs and pray. I went downstairs and prayed. I said, Lord, I am mad, and this is why. And I said, and I'm going to bed. So that was how long my prayer was. <laughs> how, many know, how many are thankful the Lord's not insecure? He's not like, you know, well, fine. You don't want to talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Thank God he's not that way, <laughs> you know. And I said, I am mad. And, and so I went upstairs. I slept fine that night. I got up early like I normally do, get into the, uh, we had an office at the time, got in, started doing my devotion, and it wasn't 10 minutes in, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And you know what he said to me? He said, Sean, you can quit. You know what he said right after that? You'll make heaven. In other words, it wasn't the unpardonable sin. I mean, I know some people think you quit the ministry, you can't ever go to heaven. That's not true. You just lose out here and there. But God will bless you as far as he possibly can. 
So don't get me, don't, don't, don't get this idea in thinking, you know, if I don't le- reach the maximum level of maturity for my life, God will never bless me. No, he'll bless you right where you're at. He'll bless you with everything he possibly can within the boundaries of his grace and the boundaries and the levels of, of, of structure that he has within the word and the mandates that he has. He absolutely will. I don't think any of us does it perfect anyway in this life. The problem is people begin to coast. So then right after that, he says, you'll make heaven. I thought, praise God, I'm not going to hell. And then the next thing he said was, if you stay, you'll make heaven a part of earth though. It's easy. That was two years into my first stint in ministry. I will never quit. You know why? Because I have a word from God. He said, if I don't quit, if I stay, I'll make heaven a part of earth. And that's what I'm after. Do you want to know why? Because that's what God's after. Now, my call is different than yours. You know, I would trade calls with some people. But I can't choose. And I'm done talking about it. He gave it to me. It's mine. Like it or lump it. One way or another. It is what it is. I'm not the one that decided before I was born to give me this purpose. I didn't decide. Well, I might as well just get comfortable in it because it's not going away. But here's the thing. You have mandates on your life. And the, and the promise is the same. If you'll stay, you'll make heaven a part of earth for you. You don't need a title to carry the glory. You don't. You don't need a special anything to learn. You already are the temple of God. All you need is faith, which which equals obedience. And he will fill your life and your house with glory. He will do it. I know he will. So you understand when we say things like, you know, when I make statements like, if everybody left the church tomorrow, I'm not worried about it. You say, what would you do? Hear from God and do the next thing. Would it be hard? Any harder than what we've already done? Because it just keeps stacking up. We're believing God. We're we're too far gone to go back. I'm too far gone. I'm already too far. What, am I going to start a new career? At 45? I think not. Well, go back to school. No, just stay in the anointing. And year after year, come on, not not second after second. This isn't, this isn't drive through Christianity. Year after year after year of continuing in wholeheartedness toward walking out his commandments upon my life and the anointing, everything. And, and I'm not talking about just the anointing in the sense of preaching anointing. I'm talking about knowing God. Oh, there's nothing better. 
There's nothing better. I am telling you guys, I, I wish I could just take it and put it in your head. We are so close to having stuff manifest on a level. I'm not talking about in Texas or Oklahoma. I'm not talking about in Redding, California, or Bethel, or any of those places. Love them. God bless them. Lakeland, Florida. Come on, I'm not talking about any of those places. I'm, I'm talking about right here. And I don't know about you, but I just want to get in and ride the waves. And if it takes this, but we could be looking back 20 years from now and going remember when we had that really rough service (laughs) (laughs) and remember we didn't choose to go the way of the world or give up we didn't choose to lose our faith we didn't choose to allow bitterness and anger and frustration and it's been 20 minutes past eight o'clock and I gotta go I gotta go I got things I gotta do well then get your little rear end up and leave because you ain't getting anything anyway you're just thinking about yourself I mean you got it easy you're not in the children's ministry right now they're like struggling down there trying to figure it sounds like somebody's climbing a wall You wouldn't think you'd have that much joy after a service like that. But the Lord's in it. I'm telling you, he's in it. I'm tell- Heather, there is greatness for you ahead. I know it. I mean, it's already happening, but I'm telling you, the things that are ahead, it, it's going to shock you what God does. He's going to do some amazing things. I, I, God loves people. He loves any person that will just go, <laughs> such as it is. Here it is. Come on, think about it. God took a harlot and conquered Jericho. Do you know that harlot is in the lineage of the physical lineage of Jesus Christ? Come on, that is amazing. I can feel it all over me. Father, we thank you for tonight and for your word. Lord, we'll be doers. Help us see it from your perspective. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.